You said fire up them chips. Man, Brahim, it's good to see your face again on a podcast. Where have you been? Oh, man, I've just been out here in the trenches, absolutely grinding uh, every single day, just uh, constantly dealing with the battles that, you know, life will, life will constantly throw at us, man. But as my dad's always told me since I was a young boy, it's all about adjusting and readjusting and nothing will ever be the same. So just conquering adversity, you know? Yes, sir. And we're about to get after it today. We got an amazing guest on. I uh, just finished his book, The Gamma Mindset. Unreal. Amazing. It, uh, it was everything we talk about with this universe manifesting, uh, your beliefs, um, becoming who you want to be with science behind it and easy to read. I mean, I'm so thankful I came across this book. Um, so much knowledge, so much wisdom. And uh, luckily, we got the author here today, Mr. Chris Walton, all the way out in Bristol, Bristol, UK. And we were actually going to try to do this in Copenhagen because uh, the doctor was in, in the town, but I ended up uh, uh, traveling for a couple of weeks, so I missed him. But Luckily enough, he, he wanted to get on Skype, and today's going to be an amazing session full of action tips, some value, wisdom, and and I'm so excited. So, Chris, Mr. Walton, can you uh, shoot the, the people a quick background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, indeed, I do live in England. I live in Bristol in England. I've been a performance psychologist for about 20 years. Uh, before that, I was a strength and conditioning coach for professional athletes. This was sort of back in the 90s, and that's really what got me interested in psychology, was working with athletes and also training normal folk. You know, this was in the days when personal training was very, very early in the UK. Um, but with the athletes that I was training, I was training professional squash players, and they were the top six uh, in the world. I had the pleasure to train the, the world champion man, uh, world number one man, and, and, and female at the time, and, and six of the top 10 players. So they were really elite athletes, unbelievable fitness and skill and everything that goes with that. But what I kept noticing was that the same two or three players kept winning the tournaments every time, when in reality, six to eight of the top 10 were good enough, skillful enough, and had the experience to, to win those tournaments. So that really got me interested in the early days of the mind on, on the body, the mind's impact on performance. This was sort of about 96, 1996, 97. Um, and then from there, I, I was just like a duck to water, you know. Once I started getting into uh, the mind and exploring mind and consciousness and, how, and the impact on performance, and then into consciousness particularly um it, it just snowballed you know i went from one thing to another and then the whole 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 load of you know stories involved with that 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 bring me up to what i do today which is uh, i have an integrated practice in bristol and i created a, a system called the gamma mindset as you mentioned which is a peak state of consciousness it's a process that puts you into peak state of consciousness peak brainwave state that has many 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 benefits so that's just a very very quick overview yeah, man. Um, the book was fantastic. And I came across it doing some, uh, I like to post on the Insta story and I found one of your iceberg uh, pictures with the, the beliefs, go create the, the subconscious and the subconscious creates your reality. And then I ended up tagging you on that. And then uh, I saw your, you're at a book, I saw your Instagram page and I'm not going to lie, the cover kind of sketched me out, you know, the gamma mindset, create world champion self-belief, in five minutes per day, activate your super consciousness. And 
usually when you see that stuff, you kind of get, you know, a little sketched out. But, you know, you <laughs> see like a good guy when I met you. So I said, let's let's read it. And boy, oh boy, I was glad I started reading this because it's amazing. It really is. Can you, uh, Chris, can you talk about this gamma mindset in a nutshell? Sure, sure, sure. I'm just trying to make sure that my screen is on. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose in a nutshell, this is it. That generally over a 24-hour period, we've got four types of brain waves. You know, we have the beta waves, which is when we're wide awake, when we're active like me. I'm thinking now, thinking about you two guys. You know, got a lot in my mind, can get a lot of stuff done. That's the general sort of, you know, day-to-day -day activity brainwave that we have. That's a certain frequency. Um, if we have too much of that and we can't switch off from that, anxiety becomes a, a you know a constant companion shall we say you know and, and then if you if you really can't switch off you end up being depressed because you know you, your body can never relax and wind down and so you end up very very frantic anyway when you drop down from the the beta wave you you come into the alpha waves that's that nice calm consciousness when you drop a bit deeper than that you go into the theta wave which is you know for, for most people moving towards a light sleep but certainly very very deep relaxation then delta wave is when you go into a deep sleep at night. You're completely in a deep sleep at night. But that, so those are the four waves that we go through in a 24-hour day and night cycle. But there's also another brainwave frequency, and it's called gamma, the gamma waves. And when gamma, when you're able to create gamma waves, what happens is more of your brain cells fire at the same time. You create something called neural synchrony. Uh, just synchronization of the brain cells. And as that happens, that tends to create then a state of flow, a state of coherence, a state of oneness, you know, where you're, you're really in peak function. That's when your brain's really functioning at its peak. It's working as one. It's optimal, you know. So so that those are gamma waves. And I created a, a process that creates gamma waves in 60 to, 60 to 90 seconds, really high theta, really high alpha, and switches beta off. So this was, I didn't set out to do that. I was just testing brainwaves to, um, testing um, different various different techniques and, and measuring brainwaves just to see what was happening. Because I wanted to find a way that was quick to get into the subconscious to make changes. You know, that's, that's what I was really looking for. And as I say, um, by, by measuring these brainwaves, we see this brainwave pattern of lots of gamma activity. At the, actually, to be totally honest, at the time, I didn't even know what gamma waves were. You know, I'm like, oh. And the, the practitioner that was doing the brainwave measurement, she was going, wow, this is really interesting, blah, blah, blah. This is actually about 10 years ago now, nine or 10 years ago. Um, and then, um, yeah, so anyway, so what happened was, what transpired was that this process that I created uh, creates this really sweet sweet spot signature of these gamma waves, a high theta alpha and, and a reduced beta. So that has many, many, many benefits to us as human beings, you know. Firstly, it's really, really quick. Second, um, you can't really create gamma waves that well you know not many people really have much gamma activity it seems to be like more of a higher state of consciousness thing you know so it's 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 uh it makes a big difference to to your physiology and and then the way you think and feel about life and what you can actually do okay but there's hope obviously for the people who you said not not a lot of people can kind of um they don't have gamma waves but everyone they are able to tap into this mindset correct well, that's that. That's that's the beautiful thing about it. You see, the, the studies on gamma waves have been done with Buddhist monks. That have mo most of the studies have been done by a guy called Dr. Richard Davidson at the University of Wisconsin, and he's had Buddhist monks in there that have that have had over ten thousand hours meditation experience and, and measured their brain waves as they're doing a, um, a meditation on compassion. 
They also had a control group, the students at the university with a control, and they were taught the same meditation practice, but obviously they'd only done it for a week. So they, well, they, they did the meditation for a week and their brains were measured. So what they saw with the Buddhists was this, this gamma activity, lots and lots of gamma activity showing sort of coherence, flow, oneness, optimal function. With the students, you saw an increase in alpha and a little bit of increase in theta, just showing up. Actually, they're, they're just nicely relaxed, but they're not in the same state. So that was interesting for me. There was also a study over here, actually, in the UK that was uh, on, on a, t a TV show over here. And what it showed was it was a paper and pencil task where you would just read the question and then you would write down the answer, old school like. So they had the brainwaves measured while this was happening. And what they saw was just like milliseconds before you got the answer, you see this spike of gamma activity in the brain. So it's like you're reading the question, you're like, ah, ah. And you got it. That ah uh, is, is gamma activity. Mm. And so that was very, very interesting. So I was very interested in those studies. And then, of course, you know, seeing that this technique creates a lot of gamma quickly means exactly, you know, there are, there's massive hope because anybody can do it. I've done a little research project. There's, there's more than this now, but at the time it was 24 people from the age of 20. That was my nephew at the time, was a student, uh, to 71. And the, the purpose of this was just measuring normal people, non-meditators, non-Buddhists, not even particularly into personal development. You just, just, hey, try this and let me measure you type of stuff. You know, simple, simple. And the common theme was with everybody from 20 to 71 was, ah, well, firstly, the beta wave switches off, which means your stress response is switched off. Happy days on its own. If it was just that, that'd be happy days. But then you get this increase in alpha. You get this really high theta which shows deeply relaxed body, you know, like a, a real healing response in the body. You've gone into a real nice rest and digest situation. And then you've got this gamma activity, you know, the gamma goes like, goes crazy. So anybody can do it. You know, you do the four four steps of the technique and this is, this is more than likely what's going to happen in your brain, you know, but um, it, there's reasons for it. You know, it's not just... Um, uh, guess you know let's see what happens the specific four steps in the technique are very very specific steps they do something but the the the, the magic is when you put them all together and you measure the brain waves you're like aha what does that do not on the physiological level it puts you into a state of relaxation and a peak state of flow on a on a sort of energetic level if you like or the mind level because of that brainwave signature you can make rapid change in, in the subconscious mind because you've got that high theta and high alpha deeply into the subconscious you can much start to make those changes at the level of self-belief the level of confidence and everything that, that goes from there so you know that, that that's one of the exciting things for me anybody can do it now um chris this gamma mindset you talk about flow and uh, i've spoken about this a couple of times we both come from sports backgrounds and when you're in the zone you're flowing right you're not thinking about nothing else you're just kind of you're flowing, you're producing, and it's it's magic what happens. Um, I've talked to chefs when they're cooking up their masterpieces. It's just it's just coming to them, and it's, everything's going. Musicians like Brahim, but he can speak on that when he's on the mic and all that. Is this the same kind of flow state with these uh, these gamma the gamma waves? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Of course, you'd have to measure those people. But I think that's the that's the general consensus as I see it through the sort of, you know, the, the academic world of brainwave and neuroscience and stuff that it's, you know, that 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 flow state, you know, what is it? So we we call it flow in psychology, we call it zone in sport, but it's the same thing, you know, and exactly as, as you mentioned it. And you don't the, the, the nice thing about I think the flow state is 
you know, it's it's not for elite athletes, just for elite athletes. It's not for extreme athletes, you know. You can find the flow, you can find the zone doing anything. And, and if you tune yourself, you know, if you train yourself into that sort of mode, then it's a lot easier to access in your day-to-day life, which inevitably is what we want. You know, we want to be able to flow with what we, what we you know, with what, like you said at the start, you know, with what life throws at us and, you know, and, and be able to access our skills, our knowledge and experience, you know, on tap, you know, without the stress response to be able to flow and make things happen and create, you know, inevitably, I think that's what we're here for. And and by tuning yourself to these frequencies or this, this state of consciousness, I think it makes the flow state getting in the zone easier. Um, you know, you're sort of consciously more doing it than like in sport, it just sort of happens or music or, you know, you just sort of, you, you feel it, don't you? You know, you're sort of there. So, but this, this gives us a way, I think, a direct way of just tuning ourselves for that normal folk, you know, not as I say, not particularly specifically athletes or extreme sports people. Well, yeah, it's actually pretty interesting that you say that because I don't feel like there are times where you just like feel it right. And you're in the zone, you're right there as a musician or even like as an athlete, but there are a lot of times when you're not in that state, you know, like what we call in in writing music writer's block. Right. And I find Mm -hmm. myself a lot of the time, when I'm dealing with writer's block, it's because I'm dealing with other things in my life. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about something that happened yesterday, something that might happen a couple of hours from now. You know, my mind is just not in the right state. It's not that I can't write. It's not that I don't have anything to say. Actually, probably what I need to say right now is what I'm literally thinking about right now, how I am in this like you know, this dazzled place pretty much right now. I'm, my mind is all over the place. And when I get really present, in writing, for instance, that's where I feel like I do my best work. Now, aside from music, same thing with an athlete, right? You got, um, I heard, uh, I forgot who the announcer was a long time ago, but they were talking about NBA players and their field goal percentages. And they said, you know, sometimes when you see an NBA player having a slump, like, oh, he's been shooting 20, 30% from the field. And then you got someone like LeBron James, for example, who may be 50, 60% from the field. And everyone's just like, you know, LeBron's just so great. What's wrong with this other guy? Well, one, they're all great players, as you kind of noted at the beginning, right? They're all very skilled. That's why they're all in the NBA. But maybe the difference between LeBron James and that other guy is that LeBron doesn't have much going on back at home. Like he has a good family life. So it allows him to go onto the court and kind of just be present, be in that zone, be in that flow. Whereas some of these other guys, they catch that basketball. They're not necessarily just thinking about scoring. They're thinking about, man, my wife later, I got to deal with this and all of that. So I guess what I want to wrap this into is that when dealing with getting into that peak mind state, um, getting into that zone, a lot of the times I'd argue it's probably just getting becoming very present at all times in your life. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think um, to, to just to follow on with with what you just said there, I think that's a, it's something useful to think about. It's if you think about it, you know. That, that flow state, that zone state, that peak state is right in the present moment. You know, you're completely fully embodied in the here and now. That's why it's so cool. You know, you're right present. Everything is here. You've got access. It's almost like, you know, you've got access to the universal knowledge, let's say, you know. So the question is, though, I think the lifestyle that we have today, certainly in the Western world, certainly in the countries we live in, you know, and Europe, of course, you know, the Western world, it's so busy. 
you know, we are bombarded with so much stimulus, so much information. Everybody's information overwhelmed. You know, everybody's brain's mush. We're bombarded with social media and all the factors, you know, of life. And of course, life's busy. You know, people work long hours and they have bills to pay and mortgages and children and, and life's, you know, not always easy. You know, often it's difficult and has challenges. So I think with all of those factors, you know, even I've, I've said this many, many times to many people. I've said, like, you know what? Bring the Dalai Lama over, give him three kids, make him work two jobs or 50 hours a week to pay his bills. Let's see how he gets on, you know. <laughs> let's see how he gets on. Let's see how, let's how presently can, and peacefully he can stay, you know, as a, with, with, as a joke, but also with a bit of seriousness to it. So the thing is, you know, we are bombarded all day long with some suggestions, you know, that we see over 5,000 marketing messages a day, all trying to get a piece of our attention. So the question is then, well, most of the time, we're continually thinking about future events. What's coming next? What have we got to do? What's this stimulation? What's this text message? What's this WhatsApp? What's this Instagram? Blah, blah, blah. And or we're continually ruminating on past events. You know, what happened last night? I didn't like that dinner. I wasn't enjoying that conversation. Great movie. Don't want to see that again. Blah, 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 blah. So consciously, you know, we are pulled left, right and center. And whilst we are in that mode, it's the subconscious programs and patterns and belief systems and emotional reactions and physical sensations that are driving your life, you know. So there's two aspects to this, I believe, is one is you want to make sure that what happens automatically for you, particularly at the level of emotion and thought, you know, the automatic programs what happens automatically is in alignment with where you want to go. Because if they, if your automatic programs from the environment that you live in are triggered by your environment, events, places, situations, people that trigger you and it triggers you in a negative stress-based way, which is very easy today when we've got so much going on in the brain and the nervous system, um, then that's hard work, man. You know, life is hard work then. Anything's hard work because firstly, your stress response is on. Secondly, you know, you, you're just bombarded. You're sort of like, ah. It, 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 you don't have that full access to your flow state, to your skills, your knowledge and experience to make it, you know, an easier journey and a more results driven journey. Um, so the two aspects, I think, to that, to the flow state for normal people, you know, for regular people, as I say, not extreme athletes and stuff is one. It's very difficult to get in that state if your subconscious programs are being triggered all day and they're limiting and negative. That completely takes the other way. And two is you have to be more present. You know, you have to be more present to, to, to bring it in, you know, and by doing that, that takes some conscious effort, some conscious will, and um, inevitably also cleaning up that subconscious. But yeah, I, I for the conscious mind, I use a I use a, um, a model called PMA squared. And PMA is something that, you know, way back in the sports days, we'll remember this. It's not so spoken about so much these days. Positive mental attitude, right? Everybody has heard of that, but it's not such a thing these days. But I put a squared on that. So it's positive mental attitude with present moment awareness, you know? And I think that's the way, that's the model to the way to manage your conscious mind. Hey, consciously, I need to be right here, right now, as much as I can, you know, choosing positive consciously choosing positivity whilst being in the present moment present moment awareness and of course you know if you keep that around your mind it helps you but inevitably you'll realize oh i'm living in the future i'm living in the past as you described the basketball player you know and i totally agree with you you know i think like um the the peak performance in sport it's funny really you could, you could go from one end to the other it's like the guy that you mentioned the basketball guy yeah, you know, he's got the ball, boom, he's free throws and all that because his home life's cool, his money's cool, everything, you know, all his needs are sorted, he's got no problems, let's say, you know, to a certain degree, everything's happy for him, so he can be in the moment, he can be relaxed, he can be focused, 
But you can also have that peak state with a guy completely the other end of the scale, you know, that's so dysfunctional, got so much shit going on, that they're surviving, they're hanging, they're just about making it, and that can just make them perform. And, and, and the sport that I think that shows that the most is probably boxing or MMA or something, you know, when they're coming up through the ranks and it's hard and they've had a hard upbringings, but that just switches them on and they get in the zone and they perform. It's a different sport, it's a different feel, but the inner state, that oneness flow state, is there, you know, so... It is available to us all, but if you've got subconscious stuff that's taking you out of, you know, being in the present moment and into stress-based re reactions, it's very difficult until you clear that up. <clears throat> Fantastic stuff. Um, point I was going to make, you brought up the MMA and the boxing people, all that crap going on, and they get in the ring. It's like all their problems go away. They, they, they uh, clear-headed. They're in the moment. They take out everything in it, which is fascinating, uh, too. Maybe that's why uh, LeBron didn't play so good uh, the other night He on opening night because he's got all those China problems. He won't speak up about it. I didn't like that at all. And then three, um, you started hitting on it, and this is how I found you. And this is really interesting how we're talking about aligning your subconscious, aligning different things, and then it, like, connects you with the universe. It put things in your, in your awareness that you can see that you want to manifest and – I really want to dig deep into the subconscious part because I've done a lot of research on it. I, I'm a, I've been meditating for about eight years now, I told you. Um, I know the affirmations, all that stuff, and I really – the power of the subconscious is, is extraordinary. And um, I really want to hear your thoughts on that subconscious, how you can – you know, besides the gamma mindset technique, how you can um, – align your subconscious to, to become who you want to be and uh, to get to where you want to get. Mm, okay. Okay. So <clears throat> I think let's, 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 let's go with, uh, with this, this angle then. Um, I think it's useful to, you know, my area of specialization is personal change and peak performance. That's my whole area. So this is what I do every single week in my practice. I have my clients come over, we, I clear them, we do change work, change the emotions, change the subconscious beliefs, get them into a state of flow, get them rocking, get them, get them into that peak performance, Mind, not just mindset, but physiology as well, you know, to have the energy to, to drive forward that you need. So I think um, if we take it that, we are all broadcasting a personal energy signature. You know, every cell of our body is emitting frequencies. It's emitting frequencies of light. Every strand of our DNA emits biophotons, they're called, you know, little particles, wavelengths of light. So that's well known. That's been known for a long time. It's just obviously generally not in the public eye. So we're broadcasting a frequency. The heart broadcasts a frequency. The brain broadcasts a frequency. Each organ has its own different frequency. Every strand of DNA, as I mentioned, is broadcasting light. So I call that in my book, our personal energy signature. And the reason I call it that is because it is a combination of the physical processes in the body, the emotional template in the body, the mental thought patterns, and probably our spiritual openness. You know, And we're broadcasting that. Now, what we really want is a strong, coherent field. You know, We want a field coming off our body that's strong and coherent. And coherent means ordered. So ordered would be a nice, you know, smooth wave, powerful flowing off the body from every cell. Disordered is like a, a you know, like a, an earthquake graph. You know, it's very jagged and you've got 
parts of you saying, yes, I can, I can make this money, I can have this relationship, I can have this house, I can have this career or, or business, you know, I can be financially free. And then you've probably got all those subconscious, old, outdated beliefs and limiting reactions saying, yeah, but you can't, you're not good enough, how would you? It's not safe for you, you don't deserve it. All of that stuff. So when you've got those, those incoherencies, your field is weak. You know, because you've got part of you going that way, consciously this is what I want, but subconsciously is going that way, that way, or, you know, the wrong way. So that means your field is weak. So then if we're to get down to the nitty gritty, if we are to take it that right at the base of everything is energy and information, which is what the science says. And if you get into peak states of consciousness and the flow state, you know, that's that's there for you. So underlying everything, there's energy and information down at that quantum level. It's a field of energy and information that we are part of. You know, that's not like a separate part that we have to access. We're part of it. We're part of that fabric because we are made of energy and information. But if we are incoherent and we've got outdated beliefs, emotional reactions, tensions in the body and whatnot, you know, it is like we're separate to that field. And then we feel like, you know, we have to do loads and loads of things to, to you know, send out to the field. Well, really what you've got to do is sort yourself out. You've got to sort your own inner world out, program, update the subconscious beliefs, update the emotional reactions so that you can hit more of the flow state more often in normal day-to-day -day life. Be happy, enjoy the journey, be creative, think clearly, have ideas, see opportunities, take the action without all the fear, the anxiety, the insecurity, blah de blah Now, for most people, that seems like that's miles away, but it's not miles away. Those processes, the, the two processes in the book will get you there if you do them daily, for sure. You know, clearing the stressors, the emotional stressors, updating the subconscious. Then your field becomes strong. So not only do you think clearly, you have more confidence, you have more self-belief, you have more positive chemistry in the body, your field, your energy field is strong. That way, it's a lot easier to influence or to have an influence on what shows up in your life at the deepest, deepest level. You know, when you really explore consciousness, really, really explore it and have a look and experience it at those deeper, more expanded levels, then that, that becomes... Um, quite clear, you know, that your energy field and the vibrations that you're sending out at the deepest level is really creating what shows up in your life. But it's not like some random mad law of attraction, I do this, then bang, my car's here. You know, there's there's a lot of factors, a lot of variables, a lot of people in the world and a lot of stuff going on, you know? <clears throat> yeah, we talked about our, our affirmations and you're, you're not the biggest fan of them, but I believe they just open up your awareness, and I love doing them. It gets me in a good head. I'll explain system. why, though. I'll explain why. Yeah, I'll explain why. And then, but I want to hit on this. You're bringing it up. It's that universal um, connection thing. And you know, like I said, I've been meditating for a while, and you you feel connected to more things. Your awareness expands. You talk about this in your book all the time. Um, you hear about Tesla. Uh, uh, talking about how he accessed the universal knowledge base and that's how he created those systems and uh, everything. Um, dreams, great artists and people, you know, wake up, oh my God, they got a dream, some uh, masterpiece work, artists. Um, there's this, uh, this universal um, consciousness you talk about a lot in your book. I've been fascinated for a while because if you, uh, you, you hear a lot of people that uh, experiment with uh, psychedelics like yourself, uh, ayahuasca, you did all that. Like you can like see it like firsthand and, and really get the experience how everything is connected. And in all the biblical texts and, and the different religions speak of something very similar that we're, we're connected. There's some infographics in your book about um, sending love and how you can literally send love into their field and 
you're talking about this energy signature, but it was it blew my mind. It's fascinating. I've been I've been reading about it for a long time, and I'd like you to kind of uh, speak on that universal con, uh, consciousness. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let me let me tell you a real a real how this this is how they slapped me in the face. So. Through a long um, range of synchronicities, really wonderful synchronicities, in the year 2000, I was at a research organization in the States in Virginia called the Monroe Institute. It's a fantastic place. And that's a research organization into consciousness. And they have a patented sound technology there called Hemisync. Uh, and that is like a binaural beat technology that changes your brainwave frequency and changes your state of consciousness. And you can go and do like week-long retreats there where you're doing these sessions like every day, like five, six sessions a day, very guided program. It's, it's an excellent place to go. Cut long story short, when I was 30, so this is two, year 2000, I, I went there from a range of synchronicities, as I said, on about the fourth or fifth day of the program, we've been done many, many of those sessions, like 25, 30 sessions by then. We were all flying. I had a very, very clear, clean out-of-body experience. So you imagine we're in a, like, like, Imagine you've got a bunk bed built into a wall and there's a black sheet across the wall so it stops any black, um, electromagnetic interference. That's the sort of place that you sleep with headphones on, you do these sessions. And I, I, it, in this latter session, this late session in the day, I popped out of my body and I was looking at my body in the booth. So it's dark and there I am with headphones and I'm looking at myself in the booth. So... This went on for somewhere between, I don't know, like, it's hard to say, but four to 12 seconds, say something like that, until there was like a physical remembrance that something was a bit different than I had a fear response. And then it was like I was dropped from a height, poof, and I landed back in my body and opened my eyes, swung my legs out the bed. Another guy opposite me had exactly the same sort of experience. And from that moment on, I was a, a different being because I knew, oh, my God, that's a game changer. You know, I went from like being a, a sports and strength and conditioning guy to a consciousness guy like in that week. And um, that showed me very clearly that consciousness itself is not created by the brain. You know, that's an old story and it is a story, you know. And this is the thing that if any if you can really, you know, people really, really get this, it wakes you up big time. You know, it wakes you up, expands your consciousness. It takes you to, a, to the next level of your development. Consciousness doesn't come from the brain. You know, we, we're not conscious because the brain fires and wakes us up. And, and here we are like a robot switching a robot on in the morning, you know. And that experience showed it me so clearly that consciousness is a field of energy and information of which everything comes from. You know, that energy and information field we can call consciousness. And we come from that. Everything comes from that. And so it's very, very clear in that different peak state. After about 25 sessions over the week, this is like a Thursday, I think, you know, this this uh, experience was very, very clear. It wasn't like a dream, hallucination, a, a daydream, you know, or a memory or anything like that. It was a totally different state. And when I swung my legs around, that was it. You know, I was a different guy from that moment on. It didn't matter what you would have told me. You could never tell me that experience was something to do in my mind. It was like, oh, my God, man. I was beyond the mind. Then I was just looking at myself. Holy shit. So that was a game changer, you know, and then from that moment on, I went into consciousness like studies like a maniac and I went back there eight more times, spent eight weeks there. I did all sorts of stuff, then down into the jungles to do the ayahuasca and the shamanic stuff, a whole load of things. So throughout that research um, and that first experience, it's very, very clear to me. OK, consciousness doesn't come from the brain. Consciousness is a field of which we all come from. We are part of that field. 
There's no separation. And all the answers we need are in that field. You know, one of the core beliefs in the book that I really, really like is, you know, I am part of an infinite field of energy and information where all the answers I need are available to me. You know, I am part of an infinite field of energy and information where all the answers I need are available to me. And that became an absolute reality. And it does, you know, in the flow state, in the peak state, in the zone and in altered states of consciousness. So that's a that's a real thing. It's you know, that's it. It's just that, you know, in our world, we, we think we're just physical, just bodies, just personalities. And that's our identity. Well, that's you know, that's a very limited identity of who we are and what we are and what's available to us. And it's very difficult to, um, you know, to really sort of integrate that without some sort of some level of experience, you know. So um, that's that, that, that that's the way I delved into that world. Man, it's really interesting, man. So I'm going to probably speak for most people in society. Uh, I know myself, I feel like um, I'm very up and down, right? My mind, I'm all over the place a lot of the times, right? Uh, one day I'm extremely happy, motivated. Hell, I might be extremely happy and motivated for a week or two weeks straight, maybe even a month. And then there just comes those days where I almost feel as if that never even existed, because of the mind state that I'm in right now, like what happened? And it's like, I'm searching for the answers and it's like, I can't find them at the moment. And then all of a sudden it's like, I get a good night of sleep or one little thing happens in my life and then I'm back. Okay. So I'm still really trying to figure out this whole brain thing, this whole consciousness, how I can really take control I, like I can take ownership for everything that happens in my life. I can reflect back and be like, wow, I could have done that differently and all of that. But the reality is, is that I did not. And the reality is, is that there's going to come another time where I am not going to make the quote unquote right decision. So I, I try to lead more with feelings and less logic. Mm. Do you, are you, you following me there? Because you can, your logic can be wrong. The gut, trust the gut. Yeah. But, but then and it's like you trust your gut, but then sometimes I, I, I'm I, actually I'm really happy that you just said that, Rooney, because that's something that I really want to ask you. How do you know the difference between your gut and when you're maybe just either paranoid or overthinking? You know, what I mean, because of like past experiences, it's like where we're made up to just instantly believe that, oh, this guy's trying to get down on me. They're trying to play me. This is a bad situation. When it could be honestly a great opportunity, but because of something that happened to you, whether it was in your childhood or in your, you know, your middle age, school, middle school, high school, college, whatever, you're you're just programmed. You have programmed because of what's happened to you, you're programmed to believe that this is not the right situation. And you think it's your gut, but maybe it's paranoia. How do you really de decipher between the two? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Well, I think firstly, it's useful to understand and acknowledge and accept that, yes, every one of us has had a, you know, a conditioning process of what we've learned to believe, what's right, wrong, good, bad. This is the way the world works. You know, we learn off our parents, our peers, our friends, schools, media, the whole lot. Yeah, we're, we're programmed. We're absolutely bombarded from, from before day one. 
So we have conditioned responses, automatic conditioned responses to stimulus that, that comes at us through all the associations we make. And a lot of the times as we grow up, you know, that, that becomes outdated. You know, those are old stuff, particularly, you know, oh, crikey, particularly if you had a challenge in childhood, you know, just drop your chair. <laughs> um, if you had a challenge in childhood, then, you know, you tend to have a bit more to clear up, X, Y, Z, but it's not always that, you know, some... Silver spoon childhoods can also have just as many problems. So, but you get the point. We're all conditioned. So, to understand that and acknowledge that, if you live in that moment, in the present moment, awareness, or let me say it probably a more realistic way, if your intention is to be as present as possible, which is a good intention, I think, in the moment, your intention is to be as present as possible, and with that present moment awareness. As I said, you know, you want to choose positivity. You know, you want to choose, consciously choose to be positive. Um, but then what comes with that, of course, is watching, oh, here's all the automatic patterns that of this distraction, that distraction, oh, this little fear, this little self-doubt, this little anxiety, oh, this little, this little anxiety's run onto another one, onto another one, onto another one. And now I'm in that state of like, oh, what's, whoa, what's happened here? You know, I'm in, a, I'm in an unresourceful state. Well, you know, that's, um, again, coming back to one is you've got to take conscious control of that as much as you can. Two is, you know, you've got to give yourself a little bit of a break and realize, hey, we're all conditioned. Nobody's perfect. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect human being. We've all, to some degree or another in our life, experienced fear, self-doubt, anxiety, worry. You know, it's, it's the human world, isn't it? Um, obviously, you want to reduce those those emotions. So, again, I think giving yourself a break and not beating yourself up, uh, you know, is, is healthy, accepting it. But the key is if you see these things on a theme, you know, if there's like self-doubt on a theme or anger on a theme or procrastination on a theme, you know, you sort of every couple of weeks, you know, oh, here I am again, I'm doing it again. Then it's time to have a look at that if you want to grow, you know, and, and uh, because inevitably that's an unconscious, you know, it's a subconscious pattern that's sort of taking you away from where you want to go. Now, I just want to put a proviso in. This is an important proviso. You know, with day-to-day -day life, you know, it's not just your inner world and your conditioning that's tugging you left, right, and center. You know, we're an environment full of toxicity, full of full of lots of people, full of Wi-Fi masts, you know, 5G's come in and that doesn't look good at all. You know, there's, there's a whole... Um, set of influences in the environment that, uh, that affect your nervous system and have influences on the way you feel that are very, very unaware. You know, like, like you mentioned, you know, like you had a bad night's sleep three nights on the run, you know, then, hey, man, I'm groggy and I'm, I'm grouchy the next day and I'm a bit sharp. Well, yeah, you're probably going to be like that until you regain your sleep. You know, it's not a mindset. You, your physiology's tired, you know. So there's understanding the influences that control your state or have an influence on your state and then always, 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 your mind is your friend if you use it, you know. And I think it's useful for people to have the techniques to clear emotional stress, you know, to, to reprogram the mind, to get back to center, to get back to balance. And, and have a sort of few practices every day that, that help them in the reality of life get back onto the, you know, into the middle ground again, you know. Because it, it is what it is. You know, nobody's, like I say, you know, bring the Dalai Lama over, give him two kids and a 50-hour job. Let's see how he goes. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, to, to bring ourselves back to balance is the key. And then positive mental attitude, present moment awareness, update your subconscious, clear your stresses, and then focus on something you really, really want to do probably gives you the best chance of being in the zone and enjoying life, you know, <laughs> and clear up the stuff as it comes to you. That, that That's my, those are my thoughts on it. I don't know if that answered your question or I went a bit off piece there, but. <clears throat> Very good. Um, Chris, I'd like to ask you, 
Um, now, with this kind of stuff we're talking about, uh, there'll be some listeners and some people that are like, oh, my God, this is mumbo-jumbo. What the hell are they talking about? And, and honestly, um, you know, a lot of people think that way. I used to think that way back in the day. I think about five years ago, I've been meditating, but about five years ago, I read uh, Scott Adams' book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And he's a big uh, proponent in um, the simulation, you know, and then the matrix and how we can hack into it or, or change your mindset and create systems. And so I slowly started getting into it and I started doing everything and my life got crazy. And um, then I came across uh, Sanji Chopra, who's Deepak Chopra's brother, and he was the dean of uh, medical school at Harvard. And he was speaking about the same stuff, believing in what his brother believes in. This guy's in Western medicine, like the yeah. science where they're supposed to be, you know. And um, and I also got someone that's uh, really influential in my life that said that he, I mean, very successful. And he got to about 50 and he, he kind of started adopting this mindset. And he says it totally changed him. And it's, he wished you would have done it a long time ago. Now, I want to say to you, um, how do you deal with these critics or, you know, the people that are questioning this and, and and not that open mind and kind of understanding because to me i mean it's changed my life you know and and i'm wondering because you probably get a lot of it i saw your book cover i was like oh god you know what i mean and you know in this kind of field people are always skeptical and i'm really curious to see your kind of um answer to to their questions and skepticism yeah well you know i probably have a different take on it to to some people but like i on you know i'm I've, I've studied developmental psychology a lot, so, so I under, sort of probably understand where people are developmentally, and then from that I can understand the questions. So, um, you know, um, I, I think specifically to answer your question, um, that's a big reason for the book, you know, uh, because people are living in outdated land, you know, they're living off old beliefs that they don't even know are old beliefs. You know, unless you challenge your own thinking. And if, if you're stuck in the conventional world, then you're stuck in the conventional world. And things like the, the, your podcast here and the book and this, that and the other, maybe little seeds that occasionally you see as a little bit of a, you know, a flower sprouting up that grabs your attention and might start to shift you a little bit out of the conventional world to something new and different. But there is a different stage of development. There's a massive, massive like part of the population are in this conventional mindset and then from there, you go to just simply what's called post-conventional. And the post-conventional mindset is where you tend to not not fall into the usual beliefs around the way the world works and what the government tells you and what the media say and, and X, Y, and Z, the conventional sort of thinking. You know, not there's anything wrong with that. We've probably all gone through it. But so the post-conventional mindset is more open to, to these ideas and notions. But you don't need to be, you know, post-conventional, a conventional person um, you know, my, my brother and sister are very conventional people, but they understand or they're open to the potentials, but it's just not their thing or their time to get into it. I think um, the thing is, the thing to, 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 you know, knowledge is power, you know, and educating yourself on these these understandings and challenging your beliefs, what you think the way the world works, the way you work, who you are, what you are, challenging yourself on that is an exciting ride, you know, and uh when you do that, you'll realize you're much more than a physical body. You're not awake and conscious because that's what your brain does. It's not. That's outdated. It's never been true. It was just a belief. It's never, there's no, you know, there's no fact to that. If you want to think about it even more, there's, if you think how much, how much uh, research and data can tell us that the brain is like a computer, you know, it stores everything in the brain. How much research shows that? 
Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Nada. Zero. You know, the brain's much more like a satellite dish receiving information from the field. That's the cutting edge of science. And if you look at the right edge of science, you know, the, the, the brain being a, a storehouse and computer and creator of consciousness is, is so old now, but it's still mainstream, you know. So, and, and academics will argue this down to the ground, but they've probably never gone into anything close to an altered state, never mind, you know, expanding into different areas. You know, you've got to explore it. If you're going to be, if you're going to talk about it and preach about it, then explore it. You know, have a look, go there yourself and explore consciousness. And you'll see it's much, much more than just the brain. So there's, you know, the science is there, the book's there, the knowledge is there. You don't have to believe me. As, as you said, Nick, you know, I, it, the reason it took so long to write that book is I wanted to get it. So it's, it's not my opinion. Look, I'm putting this down, but here's the research, here's the science, here's the studies. And this is, I've put it together for you and obviously created my technique and everything. So, you know, I think um, challenging your beliefs is probably one of the, um, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do for anybody anywhere, you know. So that, that, that would be a probably a long-winded answer to your question. Yeah, um, you brought up a wicked point um, about the, the satellite, the brain. It's not stored in there, which was crazy because I was reading that part in the book, and I, I DM'd you on Instagram about this. Um, at that same time, I had earlier that day, just watched uh, an interview with Deepak Chopra with uh, someone important. I don't know. And there's new science that just came out that memory isn't in our brain. It's stored somewhere else. I mean, like, this is real science that came out. And, I mean, you would think your own memory is in your head. And that, that trips you up because then you think, like, are your memories real? You know what I mean? Is that stuff real? And, and there's been studies on that, too, where people have false memories and and that's what's fascinating too. I've talked to you a lot about Scott Adams. He brings up so much of this stuff and it's almost like we are for sure outdated belief system about what is conventional and what's right and all that. But I mean, a matrix. Now, I mean, and then you go, go into the um, God and religion and that kind of stuff. Well, if they created this, it's the same as creating like a program, right? A simulation. And that, that whole matrix thing is very, very fascinating. But can you speak on that, that memory part quick? That's like a proven science now, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I've got a whole, as, as, you, as you know, you know, there's a big part of that in, in one of the chapters of the book. You know, I quote um, uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, a Cambridge, you know, very, very uh, uh, well-respected scientist from Cambridge. He's a, you know, he's, a, he's an English, English scholar over here. He's been a scientist for years. You know, he, he's shown these different studies. And so people can check his, you know, check his work out if they want solid references. He's a, you know, he's a heavyweight in the scientific world. But yeah, the, the, the common belief, and it's always important to remember, we're not challenging scientific facts. You know, we're not saying, oh, this fact is wrong. We're just saying, hang on a minute. First of all, it's a belief. And that's important for everybody to acknowledge. No, no, what do you mean it's not a fact? Well, it's never been a fact. Have a look for yourself. So it's a belief, an idea that the brain is like a computer and memories are stored in the brain. But as I say, okay, so show me. How, what, what research has shown that memories are in the brain? Well, the, none. You know, there isn't. It's not, they can't, you know, it's not like there are files here and files here and my childhood files are here and, you know, my, my teenage files are here and all that sort of stuff. That's a really mechanical, outdated way of thinking of the brain. And it's not like that, you know, it's not a filing cabinet, you know, it's not, it's not a storehouse for consciousness and memory. That's the, what the leading edge of science tells us. And if you explore and expand your consciousness yourself, you'll see that very, very clearly. You'll experience it yourself. So, so that's, that's the memory thing. But I mean, you know, it's, 
<laughs> that's challenging for most people to think, well, where is it then? If it's not in there, where is it? I remember. Well, yeah, obviously there's got to be an interaction with the brain and an interaction with the body. But, you know, the, the field, the personal energy signature field, your memory is more likely in the field as digital information that you bring in through your satellite dish of a brain. And it's getting easier for people to understand that now with, of course, the rate of technology, you know, and, and everything that's going on. Um, you know, uh, with, with, with all the sort of information technology, uh, mind, brain, interface devices and all the stuff, um, people can sort of, and, you know, virtual reality games and stuff. Oh, maybe we're in a virtual reality game right now. You know, we, we can we can imagine it a bit better because, you know, kids playing the games with that sort of stuff and all sorts. So, yeah, memory more than likely. I mean, you know, I'm not saying this is a definite fact, but all I'm saying is there's, there's zero evidence to show that it's in the brain and Consciousness definitely doesn't come from the brain. It doesn't start from the brain. The physical thing of three and a half pounds wet fatty tissue doesn't create consciousness and here we are. It doesn't work like that. That's the opposite way around. Consciousness is first and the brain is second, you know? So that's a different way of looking at it. But that's the leading edge. That's what quantum physics tells us and quantum physics leads all the other sciences. So, you know, that, that, that's it. But it's much better to experience it yourself. That's pretty interesting. I've always thought about memory and how how it's even possible to forget something in the first place, right? I've always thought memory was really interesting. How how can you how can you remember something from 15 years ago so vividly and then forget something that just happened yesterday? And it just makes me think maybe our memory doesn't come from our brain because maybe it's maybe it's an attempt it's a, we're attached to something whatever happened 15 years ago, we can still attach that to something now that it makes it very easy for us to just like kind of um, gravitate onto it and just recall the moment as if it did happen yesterday. But maybe something, maybe something that happened yesterday, it doesn't truly resonate with us. It's not that we forgot it because we didn't forget it. We just, we haven't been in another situation yet that's made us reflect on that particular moment you know it's almost like when you have someone's name on the tip of your tongue like you know that you know their name and you know that if there was a multiple choice test right in front of you and you had like three guesses like a b or c and one of those names were right odds are you would probably guess it as soon as you see it you like ah chris how could i forget right like you never forgot you never forgot it was just for some reason you didn't attach it to something on and I haven't finished this book yet, but it's called Moonwalking with Einstein. Have you ever heard of that book? No, no, no. Oh, okay. So in Moonwalking with Einstein, they talk about, um, and like I said, I haven't finished it. I'm only about a, like four or five chapters in. Um, but they're talking about like these guys in the world who are, you know, self-proclaimed the, the, the most brilliant people in the world because they can memorize, um, you know, you can give the guy like, 50 numbers and he can tell you every single number that you just gave to him in the exact order in the past in like within like 10 minutes you know what i mean he could just kind of close his eyes and just reflect it all but what was interesting is that it's what he's able to do is he's able to connect every single time you give a number to him he's able to connect it to something that will almost make it impossible for him to ever forget it yeah sure you know um so but does that really have to do with the brain? Well, 
I, you know, I, I personally, I, I'm not really that excited by the brain because I, I do see the brain as a satellite dish. So, like, it, it doesn't, you know, I don't really think too much about it. You know, I started out doing brainwave research, as I say, but very quickly it becomes quite boring. You're like, you know, okay, well, until you find something cool, you know, but it, you're still seeing lots of squiggly lines of brainwaves, and you're like, oh, you know, unless you see something really cool like the gamma, um, it's, you know, after a while, you're like, well, and what? What does that mean to me in day-to-day -day life? You know, I... I you know, my specialization, as I say, is personal change and peak performance, not measuring brains. You know, I, I'm, people come to me for change, to perform better, to, you know, be better at life, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think the, key, the thing is with the memory, you know, if, if the memory's got um, uh, the, the stronger emotional connection with the memory, the more it's in the body. You know, and then the more perhaps it's, um, you know, more visceral in the body and that that uh, is easier to remember or stays perhaps, you know, more readily available, you know. So the more emotion that's attached, the the probably the more imprint somehow that has in the in the network of the body and then maybe out into the field. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating one. Memory is a fascinating subject. And we also edit memories a lot, you know, how we think we they what actually happened probably actually wasn't happened what how it was you know we edit it so you have to be very very careful with that sort of thing you know <clears throat> this has been great man um a story before i want to start promoting your your stuff and talk about some success stories you've had um to how this is what really kind of got me thinking i heard when i was a kid and then i started relating it back to my life about i got crazy vivid dreams and a lot of the times the dreams happen you know you got the deja vu or, or weird things like that and i was was curious about that but my mother um had a story once and she's very similar to me with the the dreams she was working uh, in her dream at uh, the local uh, restaurant on the lake prior lake her hometown going through her ship remembers it super vividly what she was wearing all that a cop pulls up to the um to the store to come in um whoever's name was john you know she could vividly picture him she said hey the cop said hey uh christine you need to uh come with me um your mother's been in a car accident so they uh drove over there it was on this uh 13 or some main street in the the hometown city and the mom died in the car accident right and this is in her dream um a week later the cop same cop pulls into the restaurant she was working at, and she just knew. She's like, I had this dream already. She knew her mother died. The guy, uh, the cop came in there, same cop, said the exact same phrase. He said in the dream, you know, your your mother has it passed away. Um, the same spot on the road. Um, and my mom's not BSing. Know what I mean, she's, uh, but that kind of stuff, and I heard at a young age, I'm like, oh, my God, that's crazy. But, you know, as I've gotten older and gotten so much more into this stuff, it, it really is fascinating how much we don't know. And like you said, the, the belief system and and uh, it's so conventional, a lot of things. And you just got to challenge those beliefs to, to open up your, your consciousness. I, I firmly believe that. But Chris, um, can, you, can you share us some uh, success stories you've had with some clients so we can uh, promote your uh, material? Yeah, sure, sure. Let, let me comment on that bit, though, because I, I, what that story that you said there is one of the things that really, really blows my mind, man. Because, you know, I've heard a lot of stories like that and uh, had sim not, not such uh, intense um, similar experiences, but that, that experience of, hey, you know, like you're dipping into, 
you know, you, you have a vision, a memory, an idea, something comes into your mind about something, and then, hey, a week later or a day or so later, that exact thing happens, and you're like, what the hell is that? You know, is that like, was that going to happen anyway? And I just sort of like somehow tuned into that or, you know, because I thought that, did I create that type of stuff? I think that's a really fascinating um, thing to think about. But, but you know, what it lends me, that those sort of stories and experiences that people have like that, it shows me based on a lot of, lot of altered state experiences through many, many mediums that, you know, that that belief statement I said earlier, you know, we are part of an infinite field of energy and information where all the answers I need are available to me. The reason that is, is because everything that's going on that could possibly happen is going on. You know, there's a field of energy and information where everything's going on. Maybe we've got like a million lives going on right now of ourselves doing something, you know, and somehow we sort of tap into that in a certain state or a certain frequency or a certain reason or something, you know. And I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's a mind-boggling subject, that is. It's a subject that I've spent a lot of time trying to work out and fathom out and and, and and um, you know, understand, and, and actually, you can't, you know, because it's beyond this. It's beyond this realm, really. You can only assume what you think's happening. Um, but you know, uh, certainly in those altered state experiences, the whole like idea of the matrix, and um, you know, the the sort of field of energy and information that we that we're connected to, you, you can really experience that. You can really experience that big time. And it, Many, many times in experiences I've had, it feels like the reality is that the closest reality is that actually your future self is creating this right now. Like, you know, if you follow where the science is going, we're going into this thing called the singularity, you know, where artificial intelligence becomes, you know, more intelligent than human intelligence and sort of, you know, things start to really, really escalate. I, I think that's already happened and it's going to happen again because we've created it from the future. You know, that future self, the future much more like a million years down the line, let's say, future Chris is creating this and you two guys are creating this right now. You're experiencing the 3D world right now. And that's really wild out there stuff. But I can tell you that would be my, if you had to, if you had to, you know, if I had to bet, that that's what I would say was happening from personal experience, you know, from, from working with altered states and consciousness. So that's really far out there, wacky, wild out there stuff. And here we are, you know, here we are. Well, that feels pretty real. You know, if I don't eat soon, I'm going to be hungry. I want to pee. So it's a pretty good game, you know. It's a pretty good virtual reality game that we're in. Whether it's a game or not, we're going to die physically and we're going to be upset if we don't eat. So, you know, you may as well play the game really, really well. <laughs> you know, you may as well think, well, oh, God, the whole idea of life is a game. I actually think it is a game, a virtual reality game from me a million years in the future from every one of us having a physical experience in a 3D world with five senses to experience, touch, taste, feel, you know. Uh, if you, are you familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton's work? No, but I read about him in the book. I actually just took a picture I was going to post on Insta story. There was that one graphic he had in there. What was that again? Yeah, so doc, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he's a, he's a cool dude. You definitely want to check out his stuff, and I think all your listeners and viewers and whatnot should, should check him out. He's a cool guy. Um, but anyway, the, the reason I mention him is Bruce is a friend of mine, and, and he, he has a little bit in one of his lectures that he goes, hey, you know, but if we're just the spirit, you know, if we're just out there as a spirit, is like, you know, what does chocolate taste like? What does falling in love feel like? You know, what does watching a sunset look like? You know, that's why we're here to experience the physicalness, the game as a physical being, you know. And so we have to, here we are, you know, we have to make money and we all want a good life. And then it comes back to managing our minds, managing our bodies and all that. So that's, that's you know, 
went off a bit, definitely went off piece from what you asked me there. But I just wanted to sort of follow up on what 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 you said there about the you know the the week the week before experience. That's that's really wild when you think about that stuff. So, crikey, as far as experiences, uh, per, um, uh, what, like testimonials and that sort of stuff, you know. <clears throat> They take quite a long time to tell, but I've worked with a lot of athletes. That's how I started out. And then when I started doing mindset stuff, I carried on working with athletes. Then I moved into the business world. And now I, you know, do mostly online and my one-to-one stuff. But yeah, you know, I had um, a nice example because it's very, very tangible. It comes from the world of sports. Actually, a, a very cool example just actually happened this morning, but I'll tell you about that one. Um, this was a guy that I worked with. He was uh, top 10. He was probably about top eight. He had a big, I'll cut this story short. He had a big ranking tournament coming up, which was the British Open tournament, uh, squash player. And he had four ranking tournaments coming up. The British Open was like the equivalent of Wimbledon in tennis. You know, it's the big tournament of the season. And I tested him. I tested his mind, tested him through the muscle testing processes that I use. Test him. It is safe for me to become world number one. No. All parts of me are ready, willing, and able to become world number one. No. I deserve to be world number one. No. All parts of me are ready, willing, and able to win the British Open 2005, this was. No. So straight away, as I was testing his subconscious mind, block, 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 block. So we integrated these beliefs into his subconscious, very, very specific, and there were some really specific ones. This was a guy called Tony Ricketts, Anthony Ricketts. Uh, he was a bit like a McEnroe character. If you can remember McEnroe, when he used to play very hot-headed. If you, get a, if you get a bad call, he'd blow up and everything. And we integrated some statements into his subconscious deeply in. Um, I remained, I, things like I remained focused and disciplined in high-pressure rallies, things like that, you know, statements to that affair. So he really, really stayed in the zone and not like lost it. And anyway, two weeks later, he went off to the tournament. He got to the semi-final and he, and he played the world number one, which was a guy called Peter Nickel at the time. He was a Scottish guy. And it was an absolute thriller. It was a five-set monster, monster, monster match. And um, Anthony won 15-13 in the fifth, you know, just a, oh, one little point, two little points, good. So he beat the world number one, first time he'd ever, ever done that in his career, then went on the next next to the final and played a French guy and thrashed him 3-0. And he won that tournament. So that was really, really nice, really convincing. But what's really interesting was people that followed the game and went around and followed on the circuit said to him after, what have you been doing? You remain so focused, so disciplined in those rallies. And it was like... They were actually telling him the words that we even used, like the specific words we used. Like, whoa. So Tony was blown away. Obviously, he was really happy because he'd won. And then he went on to do the next three tournaments after that was either got to the final, won it, or got to the semis. And he finished the season at his world best, which was world number three. That's what he, that became his, you know, his season's, his, his uh, career best. But the only difference was between all the other seasons was very specific subconscious belief change. That's why I wanted to show you, you know, highlight that as an example, because that's very specific to a specific goal. And what happened when he went there, aha, he just played his best, his, all of his experience, all of his skill, all of his, you know, um, uh, fitness came out onto the court and he played at a level that he never played before, allowing him to beat the world number one and win the tournament. The only thing being different was subconscious change. So that's what really, you know, I really started getting excited when I was seeing that sort of stuff because that's like, wow, you know, this guy's been an athlete for 10, 12 years, you know, an elite athlete. But the only difference was this and what happened was that. That's really tangible, you know. So there's lots of little stories like that in the world of sport. And in business, you know, it's, <clears throat> I had a guy an entrepreneur. I tend to work a lot these days in my one-to-one -one practice with entrepreneurs. Um, I had a guy come to see me. 
he was struggling, really, really struggling. He spent his last uh, his last sort of money to, to come and get his mind sorted because he he just felt within him that there was blocks and things stopping him. He had ideas. He never took action on them. And he was basically going downhill. He was like late 30s. He'd gone off on his own to do his own thing. And it wasn't working. So he had a session with me. We did a full clearing session. When you start testing those subconscious beliefs, it's amazing what comes up, you know, what people are blocked at. Block, 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 all sorts of blocks about money, blocks about success, blocks about goal achievement, all of that stuff. We cleared all that up. So subconsciously, again, it was in alignment with his with his conscious desires and goals. And in the session, he set a goal that said, I want to earn £100,000 uh, by within the next 18 months. That was his goal that he set himself. I want to earn hundred grand in the next 18 months from, from zero. And... You'll see this um, testimonial on my website. He went away, implemented stuff, and within five to six months, he'd made 100 grand. You know, And again, the only thing that was different was changing his beliefs, clearing his emotions, and getting him, you know, getting him to be able to access these sort of higher states and, and just get on with it you know, without the stress response. So that's like a normal, you know, the, the, the 100 grand thing's not normal because, you know, obviously there's lots of variables in that but he you know he was from zero that was really was a zero to 100 grand in five to six months and he set himself 18 months so that that's a normal situation as far as people doing something different and getting different results because when you change those subconscious beliefs you clear those emotions you know align yourself at the level of mind bearing in mind minds through every cell of the body align that with where you want to go and then you've got something working for you, not against you. And I think that's a real big key. You want your subconscious mind working for you. It's not just a, an old, outdated part of the brain or anything like that. It's a field, a field in your personal energy signature that you're sending out 24-7, you know. And if that's in alignment and harmonious and powerful and balanced, there's a lot more chance of, uh, you know, you being able to make it happen, get the results and success that you're looking for than if you've got a disconnect between your subconscious, which inevitably in the body is a stress response. It might not be a big stress response, a little drip of stress every day, which so many people experience. And that's hard work, man. Life's hard work. And trying to achieve things is hard work because, you know, part of you is going that way when you want to go that way. And, and that's just how it is. Wow. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like I really needed to hear that. And I, I want to say a couple of things because I'm just sitting here and I'm listening and I, I just think about this universe, you know, and you know, whatever people's religious beliefs are, you know, like that's actually even something myself that I've been kind of battling with lately because I don't believe there's uh, any wrong or right answer to that. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, we live in a society where people will be like, oh, you're a Christian. That's not right. Or, oh, you're a Muslim. That's not right. Or, oh, you're an atheist. That's not right. When, you know, to me, they all make sense. Getting back to that whole like logical thinking logically and also thinking with feeling. And I think at the end of the day, you should go with how you feel. Even though even though my whole life, I pretty much went with logic. <laughs> I, sh I probably should start going with how I feel and it would make life a lot easier for me, right? As aside from that though, um, you know, just like understanding all your situations in life, uh, people that come up to you, uh, you know, sometimes strangers, will will recognize something about you they'll tell you you know they don't know you but they'll tell you like hey you're gonna go really far in life like you have a gift you know what i mean and sometimes you don't even recognize it yourself but it definitely exists you know and just like you said about your guy um they use the specific words like and you were just so focused and disciplined like you know in in the moment how how were you able to do that right and they didn't know the program you guys had going on 
they just threw that out there. And that, there's no coincidence in that. And Nick knows how I operate. I do not believe in coincidences. I absolutely don't believe in a coincidence. You know, there's no coincidence that we're sitting here right now and we're having this conversation, right? Um, so to dig actually a little bit deeper into this, um, your guy, he said within the next 18 months, he wanted to make that $100,000, right? From zero to 100,000. And it happened in six months. Now, but I think it's much deeper than him just saying that's what he wanted. That's something that he really dialed into and it wasn't too overwhelming because this is what he's setting his mind to. This is what he wants to accomplish. Um, and I've been like listening to a lot of other people as of lately and just kind of picking their brains. But I want to know from your standpoint, man, how important is it to not necessarily overwhelm yourself with an array of a, a bunch of goals and to just really dial in to something very specific and just watch how it comes to you? Yeah, that's, that's lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I, I think this, man, I think, um, you know, the, the, there's really, really, and this has been said like a million times before, and it, people tend to reject it a little bit, but there's really, really something to finding your passion, you know, really finding something you love, whether it be work or hobby or, or what, but having something that really switches you on, that you can real dial into, that you can really focus on, that you can really enjoy focusing on it. I think when you do that, um you're sort of three quarters of the way there you know and i think it's distraction and trying i don't know i don't want to say trying too many things but but not focusing on in not you know not not allowing yourself to procrastinate or get distracted or or be too busy or be too overwhelmed and then before you know it you're 60 years old and you're wondering what the hell's happened you know it's like what i i, I think it's important to um yeah, I, I think there's a lot, you know, like I, the way I see flow and the zone, uh, it's not force, you know, you're not forcing it, you know, but when your subconscious is in alignment with your conscious, they shouldn't be need to be force because the force comes when there's resistance inside. And then we say, well, what's the resistance? Well, inevitably, the resistance is emotional charge and negative thinking. That's resistance. It doesn't feel good. Then we get tensions in the body. There's resistance. And then, of course, your brain switches off. It's hard to think anyway. And you're off on a negative spiral. So, you know, that's when we try and force it. We have another cup of coffee. We try and keep going. You know, you get writer's block. You can't think clearly. You end up just not being productive. And I think a lot of people live, live on that sort of, you know, that treadmill. Whereas, you know, flow is very, very productive, but it's it's flow, you know, it's it's sort of minimal stress. And the reality is it just takes a bit of work to get there. You know, you've got to you've got to clear your stuff, you've got to update your mind, you've got to be motivated, you've got to use PMA squared. You know, there are things that you need to do. Otherwise, if you're not doing anything different, you obviously will keep getting the same the same outcomes. So um yeah, I, that being said, you know, that there's there's you know, there's there's really something to tuning into the field and asking for help and asking for guidance and and that in whatever way it is, whatever religion, whatever belief system or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. You know, but but tuning in and understanding the power that you have and asking for help, not in a sort of like please, please, please. You know, you're a greater being than me type of way, but in like, hey, I'm actually talking to myself. Really, I'm connected to a field of energy and information that's part of me anyway. That's me. I'm talking to myself. So help me, my wiser, older, bigger self, or whoever you think of is you know. Whatever, whatever you believe about that sort of thing. So, you know, I think, 
you know, aligning your subconscious is very, very important and being aware of the power of your subconscious and what it is. PMA squared is very, very important. But like, you know, don't do it on your own, you know, like ask, you know, tune in, get quiet, open up and flow will come. Ideas will come. I've seen this all, you know, with many, many, many people over many, many, many years. And of course, my own life and stuff. And there's nothing... Um, magical and mystical and like woo woo about that it is what it is that information's there and the right frequency the right zone you can download it and it's not like it's like matrix style boom i know kung fu you know it's like ah maybe five days later you're like huh and you read a book or you speak to a person or nick contacts me you know on instagram what was interesting about nick contacting me i had that instagram account for about a year i hadn't even posted on it until about a month or six weeks before you contacted me i was like you know a little bit off the game i wasn't even using instagram never even been on it, it my, 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 my um i so said the profile was up but i'd never posted so i just that was the you know you, you you contact me within the first barrage of posts that i was putting out there you know so it's like aha uh -huh, and here we are now and who knows where this goes and stuff you know so there's the answers are there for sure and i think when people are able to just switch off man clear that you know woof, relax switch off the noise get into the zone tune in relax let it you know let it feel what it feels like to be fully connected and, and sort of try and get that more and more each day and, and sort of aim to come from that space, you know, the bigger the bigger you rather than just the personality autopilot you. And that the more you can do that, I think the more you are able to create. Um, fantastic stuff. Chris, as we uh, wrap up this interview, um, first off, I want to say we're definitely going to do a lot of promotion for your, your book, The Gamma Mindset. We're going to try working out a deal here where we can get, you know, buy them in bulk and get them out to our listeners. I really do believe this book is very, very good. I mean, it's one of the, I'd say it's in my top 10 already. Now, I mean, I'm going to reread it and go over again. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It's everything we talk about, but with some science in there. And, and it makes you, it makes you believe in more. Now what I mean? That there's no limits. That's the big thing I got from that book. And a quick story that, that hooked me. It got me really excited about the book. And I'd like you to, to say it for the listeners. Um, but the the old dude in uh, Aust Australia with the, the marathon runner. Oh, um, Cliff, Young, Cliff Young. Yeah. yeah. I want you to, to speak on that story. Um, like I said, we'll do your promotion on the Instagram post and, and that so forth. But then I also want to get your top books you recommend besides the Gamma Mindset. Uh, wow. Some books and a couple action tips. So the marathon and... And those last couple of things. All right. Okay. So the marathon I'll have to do quickly. So this was a guy called Cliff Young. Uh, you can actually Google it. It's a really great story and, and it's on YouTube, I think. But So this was a, a sheep farmer, as I understand it. It was a sheep farmer. Um, you have, of course, masses of land in Australia and, you know, it was acres and acres and acres and acres of land. And he was used to getting around his land on his feet and doing his stuff. And then he decided to enter this, uh, I think it was from uh, Melbourne to Sydney race. Uh, running race, you know, ultra marathon race, Melbourne to Sydney. And he was not a runner, you know, and he, he, he pitched up and he pitched up in his dungarees and his boots, this sort of stuff that he wears around his farm, you know, his old farmer. I guess at the time he was like 60 or early 60s. Um, and of course, the you know, in this race, you've got the ultra marathon people, you know, with all the crew and the massagers and the, the you know, the Winnebago's with the whole, the whole backup crew and, and support and all that sort of stuff. And he had, he had none of that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a nice story because it's a turtle and the hare story. So 
<clears throat> when the race started, they all shot off, and he had this little shuffle, this way a little shuffling, and that's the way he used to get around his land, you know, on, um, on his, his sheep farm. He had this little shuffle. And what was interesting was that the uh, athletes, the, the elite athletes that did this regularly, knew that the best way, or the idea, the, the underlying belief at the time was the best way to run this race was to run for 16 to 18 hours and rest and sleep for the rest and repeat. Run for 16 to 18 hours, sleep and rest, repeat, you know. And that was their understanding. That's the most efficient way for their bodies to get over that distance, which I think is like 560 miles or something, you know. Well, this guy, Cliff Young, didn't have that belief. He didn't really resonate with that belief. He didn't even really know it because he wasn't from that world. And so he just kept going, hence the turtle and the hair story. You know, he, he just kept shuffling. And so whilst the athlete sped off and he was shuffling, he didn't sleep. He would rest every now and then, but he would just keep going. He would just keep going. And so what happened, what happened was that he actually ended up coming in first, way before the, you know, the elite athletes, because he had a different strategy and a different belief. And more importantly, he didn't believe what the experts had said, the best way is 16 to 18 hours movement and then rest. He didn't believe that. He just kept going, sat down when he needed to, and then kept going. So he came in first. And of course, then it became really well known. His movement style then became known in the in the elite running world as the Cliff Young Shuffle. And a lot of you athletes use that because as they sort of started monitoring that and measuring that, they say, actually, that's a far more efficient way to cover the distance with less rest than what traditional running is. You know, So there's a complete turn on its head for us from an old sheep farmer that was going to do something different that didn't have the same mindset as elite athletes to completely turn the sport or the, the event upside down. So, so that's a lovely story, you know, and it does get you to think, you know. So the second one, what was the second one was books, was it? Yes. Uh, your top books you recommend, say like three, and then like maybe some quotes you live by. All right. All right. Oh, boy. I am looking at my bookshelf right now. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty heavy duty dude when it comes to books. So my books are pretty out there, but... Um, one book that I think is absolutely beautiful, and uh, the Amazon reviews say it all, it's a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's almost, if you had to pick one book about spirituality that nails it, that's the book. It's an easy-to-read book. He absolutely nails it from the start. It's a beautifully written book, and it really resonates. The Untethered Soul, there's like a million reviews on Amazon. You know, It's, it's a really lovely, rich, empowering book and easy to read. Um, that, that, that one definitely, I think also to go along with that in the spiritual scene and the spiritual books, I like, um, the, oh God, what's it called? The, uh, oh, Chris, come on. It's here. It's literally showing me in the face somewhere. It's a book by, um, by Jack Cornfield, the Buddhist teacher. I think it's called the, the, the Path of Heart. Yeah, it is. It's called The Path of Heart. And that's a fantastic book. It's a beautifully written book that really gets you to understand a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here, but with a different slant, particularly the subconscious stuff. But it really, I find, I find that such a, a rich, encouraging, nourishing read that you got to the end. And it's almost like a healing reading it. You know, it's a beautiful book, Jack Cornfield. And then... Um, one more. Oh, boy. Cheaper. Well, I'll tell you what, one book I, I use a lot. This is a book I use a lot. If you want to understand yourself at a deeper level, this is a, a great book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Yeah, it's uh, it's only audio. So what is it again? Wisdom. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, the Wisdom of the Enneagram. 
Yeah, the, the Enneagram is a system of, of psychological and spiritual growth. I've been using that for about 20 years. I use it with all my clients. That really gets you to understand yourself at a deeper level, you know, why you do what you do, how to grow for your type, you know. That, 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 I mean, if you actually read those three books, and mine, obviously. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have. Um, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't need more. Much more to read in, in the certainly in the spiritual thing, spiritual areas. You know, quotes. Oh man, quotes, quotes. Um, that's hard to reg- That's hard to um, to bring up a quote. Uh, I don't know, man. Off the off the top of my head, a quote. I can think of the quotes that are in my book, but I'm just trying to word them correctly, like. I like that quote by John Lilly, Dr. John Lilly, that says something like, you know, uh, what is it like? Oh, man, like, I can't even remember it. The word, something like the, you know, the. We'll your, find your it. Limitation. We'll post it. Sorry about it. And then. Yeah, it's in the book. It's in the book. It's one of the, one of the chapters, starts with the chapter, Dr. John Lilly is a really lovely quote about the second part is, and that's a belief in itself, you know, that the, the only limits to the mind are the limits of our belief systems, and that's a limit of its own, or something like that, you know. It's really one of those quotes that just like completely opens all possibilities by reading it, you know, that actually makes you go, yeah, actually, most things are just belief, you know, it's a belief. Make sure you understand what's a belief and what's, what's a known fact, you know. No, the quotes in there were nuts there's a lot of them they're just like well like i said the book makes you believe past possibility know what i mean mm-hmm. it really gives you inspiration um action let's say a couple things that they could do today or something that could switch their mind or something you want to leave them with they're obviously going to read your book but some sort of action piece that they can take right now and like go for yeah you know i think I think um, the, the the action step that's easy that's easy to do without having to go anywhere is adopt PMA squared into your life right now from this moment on. Positive mental attitude with present moment awareness. So you are consciously choosing to be positive. You know that's not like living in la la land and when you're down you you don't pretend you're down. You know, but it's about consciously choosing your state and doing things to make you feel positive consciously if you do that and focus on the things you know that make you happy and enjoy life the rides are easier and it's much easier to do that with present moment awareness so i would say apply that just think about it positive positive mental attitude with present moment awareness apply that to your life and you know almost sort of immediately you'll feel better and things will flow better how do you can you give us an example i mean i always hear the the meditation one where you're they're like clouds words are going through your head and you let the bad ones go and maybe you keep the positive ones or you force yourself to say i am happy can you just give us a quick you know example yeah, how that you know, you know what if, if, if it, it really depends on where you're at but i would i would i would hold a little statement a little statement and you could be like you know when you hear your negative in a dialogue and when you start to feel anxious you could simply put put your hand on your heart and just say i choose healing I choose healing. And healing means wholeness. That's what it means. It means wholeness. That's the statement that I like. Put your hand on your heart and just say, I choose healing. That's what I'm consciously choosing. And and that's a powerful statement, I think. You know, you can say, I choose love or, you know, I choose happiness. But when you say, I choose healing, that's wholeness. That's deep. And that's, that's a nice, simple thing to do. Put your hand on your heart. Connect with your heart. Get out your head. I choose healing. That's a nice, that's a nice thing. So, like, periodically throughout the day, wherever you feel negativity, I like that. Just put your hand 
on your heart and say, I choose healing, I choose love. That's good. I like that a lot. Yeah. He, you have some final words before I, I do the outro? And not really, man. I just want to thank you, Chris, for kickstarting my day off on a really positive mental note. You know, I, I woke up this morning a little exhausted just because I had just worked like seven straight days, eight, seven or eight straight days, you know, working over 50 hours a week. Kind of like you said, tell the Dalai Lama, come on over here, work 50 hours a week and raise two kids and let's see how positive and, you know, that you can just always be right. Um, but you know, this morning I woke up and typically as of late, I've been waking up pretty early, like 545, just feeling real good. And to be honest, my alarm went off this morning at 545 and I, I felt pretty good. And then I was just like, man, it's your day off, Raheem. Get a couple more extra hours of sleep because, you know, you're going to have to do this all over again. So get a couple more extra hours of sleep. I woke up and you know, I came in here into the living room and I'm just kind of chilling, you know, and I wasn't necessarily the most upbeat. Nick knows that we talked on the phone before uh, before all of this. Right. And um, just all the positivity that you just brought to us on, uh, you know, on this podcast and all the very useful information that you provided us with the little golden nuggets is what I like to call it. I just want to thank you for your time, man, because uh, you didn't have to do this, you know, so just thank you so much for your time, brother. And, uh, you know, I look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, that, that's uh, very nice to hear. I really appreciate those sentiments. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed this. I've really, really had a good time. And uh, it's been really interesting how we connected. Uh, like I say, I, I thought it was interesting straight off, you know, because I thought, oh, here's a good, Nick was literally the first person on Instagram to contact me, you know, because I hadn't been on my literally, and I didn't really even know what I was doing. I'm like, uh, there's a message here, what's this, uh, how do I reply and all that shit. And, and, um, and you know, he, he kept saying, like, it was almost like every week or so that I'm on chapter three. I'm on chapter, whoa, man, I'm on chapter two. Oh, wow, this, this, this. So it was like, oh, man, this this guy's really enjoying my book. So it was like a nice build-up, you know, a really nice build-up to doing this. So, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I really, really enjoyed it. If I, if I can help you out in any way, you just let me know. <clears throat> yeah, Chris, thank you so much. Um, the universe is wild, man. It connects people. Um, I'm for sure going to come out to Bristol. I know I talked to you about that already. You can try to test me out. And, and all that and and definitely let's try to work out a deal here for our listeners let's get your book out there man because it's powerful stuff it's really powerful we're gonna um, share your website um do all that sort of thing and and uh just want you to be a part of this community we're building okay because we got a lot of people that are, are believing in possibilities and believing in this kind of stuff and and we want to connect each other so chris really appreciate it, man let's let's stay in contact and uh, and thank you thanks again Absolute pleasure. Any time at all. It's been a real blast.